Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for the truth of your word, Lord, that in the midst of a lot of the confusion, and uh, man, even in the church today, Father, and to know so much uh, division and disunity and, and so many things we argue about, God, that there really is clarity in your word. And Father, I pray that we would uh, take a stand on that, that everyone in this room would take your word as truth, not any other word, Lord, that they would uh, test teachings, uh, even this one today against your word, that they would know the truth and that that would set them free, uh, Lord, because that's what you do. And I just pray uh, that you'd move through this place in mighty ways, God, and that you help this church um, become a place of love, light, truth, that we would be a city on a hill, a light that you call us to be, salt. Um, and I pray that each individual in here, Lord, would just man, have opened their eyes and, and maybe the next step of their journey, whatever that looks like, um, Lord, that the world in their head, all the things that they're thinking about that, man, just we have no control over or just outside of this moment, I pray those would be stilled and that they would be able to hear what you have to say. And I pray, God, that you'd help me to preach your word and only your word, and I wouldn't get in the way and give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. All right, how you guys doing today? <laughs> That's the answer. Woo! Yeah, I'm going to take that as good. Hey, well, it's the last week. <clears throat> Sorry about um, the last week of our series. Sorry about last week. Wasn't feeling well, which many of you aren't as you look around. We're missing like, you know, must be the next great plague. <laughs> That's not funny considering what happened a couple years ago. Anyway, yeah, so today, like I said, is the last message in our, in our series, Tribes. If this is the first week you've been here, man, you missed a lot. You need to go listen to the other stuff because um, <clears throat> I think the, the rest of it, this is encouraging too, but the rest of it is meant to be very, very encouraging. Today it was, despite what people think, see, people tend to think that I enjoy conflict. I don't know why that is. They think I like to just offend people and all of those kinds of things. I don't particularly enjoy it. That's the truth. So, um, you know, these are never fun <clears throat> because inevitably today's topic, when we talk about these types of things, when we talk about false teachings, false teachers, those kinds of things, uh, people get offended, right? And here's the reason why. One, either at some point in your life you heard something you liked, right? And then you're upset that I am, which, by the way, I don't know your life. If it offends you or, or hits some wall, I, I didn't know that you liked that. Do you get what I'm saying? I didn't know you liked that teaching. I, I don't know you, you know, <laughs> personally. I don't know your life. But the other thing is just sometimes it challenges the way we think. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, so go check out the rest of them. It's a very, very important series. You know, there's a couple series that the Lord's let me preach that have impacted me in a really powerful ways. One is the Kingdom series we talk about a lot, but also this one's been one of those for me too. So I encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't listened to that. So like I said, over the past several weeks, we've been looking at sort of this, uh, what we kind of call tribal warfare, right? The ways that we fight within the church. <clears throat> and let's be honest. Let's cut, let's cut, let's cut the poo here, right? <clears throat> Did that shock you? The guy in the front row was poo. Yeah, let's cut, let's cut through the crap here. Um, we do that. We have division, and it's become so part of our culture that we just accept it. We literally accept disunity within the church as though that's a natural way for God's people to be. It's not. When you look in the Bible, in the New Testament, God's church was not, particularly Acts, right? Every church in the world wants that to be the model. They want Acts like movement, but they don't like acts like actions. 
right? Because that takes effort and that takes sacrifice. And they didn't have that kind of division. But here's the thing. Division creeped in very early. How do we know? Because Paul and the apostles and the teachers of the New Testament are constantly warning against it. They're constantly telling us to stop doing it. Guess what? Sinful humans, we have a tendency to want to argue. We want to find something or elevate ourselves or somehow feel better than other people. And guess what? If we're the only ones with a special revelation, then we must be special. So the church takes part in this nowadays, and I'm telling you, it is so crazy. I don't know if it's because I've been studying all this that I notice it everywhere, or the fact that I'm noticing it everywhere is proving the need for it. I don't know which, but I'm noticing it everywhere, everywhere, in this town. That's that's the stuff that's going to offend you. It's easy to talk about this stuff when we talk about a different county. Man, those folks out in California, they got it wrong. No, no, no. People in this town, maybe in this room, And there's a difference between times when we have teachings and we believe things that are a little off course. That doesn't mean we're not saved, right? But here's the difference before we move on. When faced with the truth, a true believer and disciple of Jesus Christ will not try to change the truth to fit their desires and what's comfortable. They will change their life and even their beliefs to match the truth. Get the difference? So if your first instinct is to get upset and fight and to find a teacher for your itching ears, that's that's a sign that you need to check your heart. The thing in America is is that you, there's, I don't remember, almost 300 churches just in this county there was before COVID. It'd be interesting to know now, right? Uh Uh-oh, now we got banned. I said Seavid. Anyway, erase that. Um, So you can go find someone to tell you what you want to hear. What you have to ask yourself in the quiet, in the dark, right now in the moment when no one's seeing, you're in your head, do you want the truth? Do you want the truth more than you want comfort? I do. I want the truth, right? You should want the truth. Otherwise, you're playing make-believe. And even more terrifying is you may be setting your hope on something with no power. So the division in the, in the church today is very, very prevalent. And we've been talking about how the fact that we are so divisive and not unified has mean that we are taken less seriously by the world. We are. Our message is already wild, right? It's a stumbling block. That's what Scripture says, right? It's foolishness to the world. Why make it harder? And we do. Jesus told us that it's his desire for us to be united, And the Bible warns numerous times of the dangers of biting and devouring each other. And that division's dangerous. And our focus over the past few weeks has been how we approach disagreement. How we approach sin within our church. And the call to be unified in our love for one another. And our message is so important because we are all part of the same body. So just like any of you right now that stands up and says, my back, uh, that's not a good example because you die. My foot hurts, so I'm going to chop it off. That's ridiculous. You wouldn't do that because it's not good for you. That would be insane, and yet we do that within the body of Christ. Do you think God didn't know what he's talking about when he said body? He wanted us to understand the importance of it. You don't get to decide, right, unless you're a madman, but I don't like this crooked finger. I have a very crooked finger. You see that? Looks like a scoop. You see that? Yeah. You got a crooked finger? Yeah, you get it, right? You don't chop that sucker off. I still want it most of the time. Um, it has changed the way I write, and I didn't have a good handwriting to begin with. So, <clears throat> why? Um, so, 
We're joined together in Christ whether we want to be or not. However, however, and I believe in that so, so much. And listen, there are people that, that uh, man, we're, we're constantly growing. So just because we have something wrong doesn't mean you're not in the tribe. You get what I mean? Some, I mean, we all are on that journey. And just because we do things wrong and we sin at times and we fall short doesn't mean we're not part of the tribe. That's not what I'm talking about. However, there are... That being said, there are areas in which we have to draw boundary lines. You know what a boundary line is? A boundary line is that spot, ironic. You guys can see, you see this tape? You know what this tape's for? It, this is my pen. I'm not kidding. This is, this is my cage. I'm not allowed to walk outside of these. That's, am I lying? No. Tell this, see, the guys in the back there know. You know why? Because somehow I'm off the camera. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not allowed to, I'm not, that's so embarrassing to tell you. So like a wild animal, they've caged me. You can't walk here. <clears throat> but this is a great example. This tape, right, ironically, thank you, Lord, shows me the line between where I am on camera and off camera, or at least make it really difficult for them. That's the boundary line between a space that changes everything. Let me explain some to you. Though there is a danger and trying to kick out saints, right? Just because we don't like what they believe, there's also a very, very dangerous uh, thing in accepting people within the tribe who aren't in the boundary lines. There are boundary lines. There are important things that determine whether we are truly part of this tribe. And as I say tribe, I mean the body of Christ. There are people that claim to be that are not. And it's a very serious warning. Now, let me tell you something. Just as much as we have disunity in the church, there's another extreme that doesn't like this. Guys, listen to me. If you're actually listening today, you're going to be faced with the reality that there are people in your life, there are people and churches that you know, that you follow, things that you accept as part of the body that aren't. I'm going to say this again. That's the creepiness of this division thing, of true wolves, of true false teachers. Do you think they're just going to come out and say, let's worship the devil? That's not how it works. They're going to come out, and sometimes, what if I told you that false teachers don't always know they're false? But it, mean, it doesn't mean the danger is any less serious. Whether I'm intentionally leading you off a cliff or whether I do it accidentally, the end result's the same. You have to, we have to accept this. This has been hard for me. I have been challenged in my viewpoint, right? I went to a local Christian college. I don't say their name anymore, even though I, I have numerous times. And a seminary close to here, right? I, there are things that like, that, I mean, I'm not saying they don't teach us that, that we accept. We accept as part of this that isn't actually part of it. But because this denomination is widely accepted or we see a lot of them, somehow numerous amounts e- equates to truth, so though my message before was like, hey, denomination, you know, just because ours doesn't say Billy Bob's Church of God doesn't mean we don't have anything in common with that church. That's true. You have to understand that there are boundary lines and there are churches and, dare I say, in fact, I know this to be true now, denominations, entire denominations who are not preaching the truth, the gospel. That's so dangerous. And that's going to hit you. Some of you right now, you're upset because you're like, oh, how dare you tell who someone else who is true and what isn't. That's how you have been blinded by this world. The fact that you have given up that there is a truth, an objective truth that is outside of your subjective feelings, 
is exactly what's wrong with our culture today. There has to be truth. And it has to be independent of your feelings. It has to be. Otherwise, what, are we, what have we built this on? And anybody that tells you they don't believe in objective truth, what's objective mean? It just means it sits outside of your opinion. They're lying because in stating that, they're giving you an objective truth. It's so important, guys. False teachers also have a tendency of calling everybody else false. Right? That's what they do, and we'll get to that. Well, Todd, how do I know I can trust you? Well, you don't. Read the Bible. The Bible makes it very clear that there is a dividing line between those who have put their faith in Jesus Listen, and those who claim the name of Jesus. There is a difference. There's a difference. There's sometimes a distinction, not always, and that's the hope, right? True believers are going to claim the name, but there's sometimes a distinction between the two. There is a reality of wolves. The Bible talks about it. There is a reality. What does that mean? That means they use the analogy of that as like dangerous predators within our body that are here to lead people astray, to hurt sheep, to lead. That's the thing about sheep. That's why God used it. It's so easy to lead sheep somewhere. Did you know that? It's so easy. They'll follow whatever they've determined to be their leader, right? Someone that goes in a direction, they'll follow it off a cliff. They'll follow it into danger. False teachers and even false gospels are preached in the world today. There are false gospels preached in the United States. There are false gospels preached in Indiana. And there are false gospels preached in this county. And there are false gospels preached in this city. And it has nothing to do with how many people are in the seats. It has nothing to do with how many people are in the seats or in the building or how popular it is. That's reality. Mm, I'm not going to say that yet. We are told to be on guard against these And though we often act like small things, right, which we argued over, how many times you dunk someone, you know, all of these things, whether that, we just kick them out, they're not true, whether they speak in tongues, right, you're not a part of this, you're not a really good one, right, you're not one of the real ones, man, if you don't speak in tongues, that's ridiculous, not true, sorry if that offends you, that's a fact, it's scripture, you can talk after, 1 Corinthians 12, actually, just go read it, there it is, it's all simplified and fixed for you, I didn't mean that arrogantly, but it's the truth. Um, why do I bring that up a lot? Here in the Midwest, I'm from the South too, that's a very popular teaching. I don't have an issue with someone saying in this room, if you preach in, or you speak in tongues, we may have a, de- a different definition on what tongues actually is, okay? But I believe the gifts are active, despite what you think. I believe that all the gifts are active. But you cannot elevate a singular gift over all the others as a marker for your spiritual power or spiritual maturity or even your salvation. And the line becomes very, very thin. So I have to talk about it. Though we make small things the boundary lines, the truth is that there are real things that separate believers from non that are much more important and much more serious. Why? Why are these things serious that we're going to talk about today? I will tell you. And if I get really loud, then you'll pay attention. But if I get quiet, you'll wonder what's going on. i got to entertain you, right? By the way, you're going to struggle today if you're looking for entertainment. We've got a lot of scripture. <clears throat> Why? Why is it important? Because false gospels, this is important. When I do that, that means it's important. This button fell off. That's how serious I am about it. It literally did. It fell off. Why? Because false gospels promote false conversions and false salvations. And if it's a false gospel, then it's a false salvation then there is no real salvation. And if there's no real salvation, 
right? Using a poor analogy, it's like jumping out of a plane, right, with a blanket, calling it a parachute. At the end of the day, it has no power. It's so serious. Well, they say the name Jesus. A lot of people say the name Jesus. A lot of people do. That's why you have to know the word of God. It leads to no real salvation. It means there could be, and frankly, there are people, possibly people in this room who have put their faith in a powerless faith. You have put your hope in a powerless faith. And if you think it isn't you, and you're not going to go into this today making sure, man, you're not taking it very seriously. On top of that, there are also true believers who are being led by and taken advantage of by false teachers. That's just as serious. I told a story. One of the, in my early days of being a Christian, I was watching. This was like pre-homeless time, but post my world fell apart. So there's a little, little time in between. <clears throat> and I was watching, I don't know what you guys call it here. Uh, I don't even remember. It's that channel that has all the religious stuff on it. Is that still around? Like it was on regular TV? You know, there was TV that existed, uh, channels, like five of them. You know what I'm talking about? For us, for us, for, for those in the region, AJ, Channel 46. Remember Channel 46? Anybody know Channel 46? Nah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I didn't know if it's the same around here. Channel 46. On it, there was a guy, I still remember, sitting there. And he was telling everyone, listen, for $100, right? It's funny, but it isn't. I will give you one of these anointed towels. And if you have this anointed towel, really, you're going to get money. It's, I'm telling you, there's power in this towel. And at first, it's funny until you realize some old lady is at home, lonely and broken and sick, who spends her savings on a holy towel. It's not funny anymore. And if you think that doesn't happen even in our city, just because it's not holy towels doesn't mean it's, the same, it's not the same thing. I will tell you this. This isn't even in my notes. If you go to a church, and I'm about to make a bunch of people mad, because there's extremes all over. If you are listening to a pastor, and you have not one time been slightly irritated at what they say, they're not preaching the whole, God, the whole truth. They're not. I already know you're going to be mad at me. I already know it. If I preach the gospel, and I preach the truth, you're mad at me. I've noticed the more I preach the truth, right, because I'm a, you, you don't get mad when I'm a goober that often. It's just when I preach the truth. Why? Because that doesn't, our flesh doesn't like that. <clears throat> it's impossible to not offend our flesh when preaching the Bible. It's impossible. There are believers who are being, or who are being led uh, and taken advantage of. Why do these teachers do this? They do it for their own selfish gains, Period. Whether it's money, status, or power, that's why they do it, period. So listen, regardless of how comfortable it is, we have to recognize these boundary lines, and I have to, we have to. We have to know the boundary lines also if we want to flip it so we know what's allowed. It's okay to disagree on certain things and still be within the boundary lines, within the tribe. In fact, we know that we're going to disagree. Paul disagreed with Barnabas, right? There was disagreements. And, so, and, and believe it, you're going to find out today, Paul disagreed with Peter. He had to challenge Peter. Was Peter not part of the tribe when he got challenged? Of course he was. 
Paul challenged him over a teaching, even though clearly Peter was saved, that could confuse and lead people astray. If he was willing to do that to the rock of the church, we need to be willing to challenge ourselves. Okay? A lot of scripture today. I'm telling you that ahead of time. I'm going to do my best. And the reason I'm doing this, I thought about it. I, I really did. I thought about, okay, I can stick to this section in Galatians and this section in 2 Corinthians. Hey, kids, I'm going to talk to you. This is why we had you sit in the back by yourselves with adults. Okay? Because you, can't, you want to be treated like adults, but you can't pay attention like adults. So do you want to go back to kitty church and we, you can color in the lines and have a good day? What do you think? Or you can learn about God and just be here because you're already here. Right? Why am I saying that? Because if you're old enough to understand this, you want to be big kids, then you're old enough to understand that you're going to be held accountable to the gospel. doesn't matter if you're 12, 14, 16, or 105, by the way. It goes for you, too. I think I said that because ain't nobody that's 105, right? Good. Anything in between. I wish somebody would have taught me this when I was your age. It would have saved me a lot of time. By the way, old folks, you ain't got it all perfect either. Anyway, I thought about staying within that, but I think it's important to give you a lot of ammo. Right? You got to be ready for it. You got to be ready for when they come at you because the only way you're going to be able to silence those lies and those liars is with truth. And the more you have, the more bullets in that gun of truth, proverbially, right? <clears throat> the more prepared you're going to be. And I want you to, to know yourself, okay? So there's some sections. I'm not going to be able to talk about the context of every single section, this book. You should go understand that. But I will, I don't believe there's a section I've taken here that's going to, um, the context doesn't affect it too much. Make sense? I do, I want to point that out. When you study scripture, you should study the context. What is context? What's the book about overall? Who is it written to? Who is it written by? What's the theme, right? And then fit it in. Because guess what false teachers do? They cherry pick. You know what kind of book I could make if I just picked out what I want? Yeah. Why do you think sometimes they say, hey, call me apostle? Anybody that has a title, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm about to offend you. Might as well. If you're following somebody or giving money to someone who gives themselves a title that isn't, right, that isn't pastor, I'm okay with elder. I still think it's bizarre a little bit, right? Deacon, bishop, all that's fine. But if it's prophet, apostle with a capital A, all those kinds of things, you should be at least concerned. Because what authority are they, actually, are they actually claiming? Right? Do, do, do you, if you have the gift of serving, Jill, do you walk around and go, hi, I'm a spittable Jill. No, you don't do that. Right? So why would you take the title of your gift unless there was a benefit to it? You know what I mean? All right, moving on. Sufficiently offended the majority of you, so we got that out of the way, and we'll get on in. We're going to jump here, and so what I'm going to do is give you a scripture, and then I'm going to tell you, it's going to be on the screen, scripture, what we can take from that. Scripture, what we can take from that about false teaching, false teachers. At the end, I'll give you a list, I know you like it, okay? And then there'll be a little section in between that, we're Americans, we got to have our outline. A little section in between that, we're going to talk about teachers in general, because there's a few things you need to know about false teachers that I think you may not have heard before. Okay? And you can apply it to, to this area. And I don't say that lightly. Again, you will hear me. I will never call. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to say somebody is a false prophet. I don't know. But I will call a teaching a false teach, teaching. Right? And I certainly wouldn't set myself under the leadership of someone who is teaching a false gospel and who would not hear me talk to them about it. Make sense? They certainly deserve the opportunity to repent. 
All right. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. We're going to start there. We're going to talk about the boundary lines. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. When you got to say, I got it. <laughs> if you're just going to read the screen, say, read the screen. Won't even ask anymore. All right. <clears throat> this is Paul talking to the church of Galatia. Church in Galatia got a lot of problems. So do we. All right. And it applies. Listen to what he says here. This is Paul says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ, listen to this, and are turning to a different gospel. Okay? Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That's interesting. What's the word distort mean? Is it always going to be flipped completely? Just slightly, right? Even just slightly, distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven, stop. So if it, we, who's we? That's Paul saying me, if I, the apostle, come to you, who you have seen do miracles, or an angel from heaven, if Michael, the archangel, Gabriel comes down and tells you a different gospel, right? Do you think that applies to your great aunt Edna? You think it applies to Prophet Bobby Joe from Big Bob's Church of God, right, that sells things? Yeah, it applies, meaning anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. If we, even if we are an angel from God, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you. Remember, we already know the gospel in Scripture, right? A curse be on him. Now, in our days, we're like, that's cute. No, they took that very seriously. A curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. He said it twice. If anything is repeated in Scripture, it's important. For am I now trying to persuade you or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. There is a little context that's needed. Paul's saying these false teachers were coming in, and they were teaching things. So what do we know? They were distorting the truth. Here's something. They made people happy. People liked them. They liked the truth. And people were saying, well, Paul, he doesn't make us happy at all. I don't like his his gospel. And that's why Paul says, if I'm trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Boy, this is something to punch you in the face. You cannot please people and serve Christ. You can't. You will not always please people and serve Christ. Guys, you can't do it. A lot of your family members and maybe even you guys, that's the reason, right, that you haven't even committed to a church family. You're trying to find that pastor or teacher that always pleases you. If he's preaching the Bible, it's impossible. There are sections of the Bible that I've preached that I am not comfortable with. I I don't like it, but it's the truth. That's even one. You know, even telling you to go to church and finding a church home isn't popular because you don't want to hear that and you believe. I can't tell me I used to be the guy. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but Christians go to church. I heard a guy say today, actually it was today, weirdly, I wasn't looking for it. Uh, You know, and he, he said... Essentially, you know, when I talk to someone which says, do not make a habit of neglecting to meet together, right? And he said, the first thing people tell me is, well, it's not a habit, it's just one time, it's just two times. He said, right there in that moment, you're showing me how serious you take the gospel. 
you're already finding the small print. Now, that's not to guilt you, right, to be here. This doesn't save you, but I'm saying, and there are times you're going to miss, but, like, even I've misrepresented that at times by just telling you, like, it's okay. I don't know. It is, right? I'm not going to tell you when you can and can't. I'm just saying it should be something serious. I love doing this. You want me to offend you capitalistic people? I'm all about it, right? You miss work as much as you miss church? Do you miss work as much as you miss church? No, you don't. I bet if I pay you $50,000 a year to be here, you'll be here. Right? I don't know what you said, but yeah. Right? So, I would not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> I got off topic. See, I could preach on all these. I want to read this to you. Listen to this. Do I have that slide? Listen, this is what you can take from that. There is only one gospel. It looks so much cleaner on my notes. Thank you, guys. They try to keep up with my insanity. There is only one. What do we take from this? There's only one gospel. Do you hear that? This is something that hit me. I knew that, but like, let this sink in. There's only one gospel. There are no others. None. This isn't an opinion or an interpretation issue. It is a truth issue. Paul makes it very clear. Listen, this isn't something we can kind of disagree on. This isn't something that, like, well, we have our interpretation. There is one true gospel. If that doesn't make you go, holy moly, I hope I'm following the right one, I don't, you're not listening. There is only one gospel, and what's creepy is, right, here's the gospel. Distorting something, we talked about it, doesn't mean it's way over here. It could be right here. But it's not the gospel. The boundary line is we must follow the gospel, the true gospel, the good news. This is not, this is not one of those things that someone can say, hey, that's okay. We believe, you know, they believe that, we believe this. No, no. You want to be in the tribe? You want to be in the body of Christ? There is no, we kind of agree. There's one gospel, one faith, one baptism, one spirit. That's it. Is that, I mean, I could stop there. That terrifies me, right? It should, it should make you go, Whoo. there's only one way. All right, let's move on. It's not a interpretation. We'll, we'll stay with this. Uh, Galatians, same chapter, I mean, same book, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. By the way, I just want to give a shout-out to the guys back there and girls that run all this stuff behind the scenes. I'm a very hard person to stay with. Things change last minute, and they do such a great job. So at the end, not now, because they'll never pay attention again. We're going to give you a shout-out and a clap. But right now, um, I appreciate you guys a lot, for real. <clears throat> and I hope you guys appreciate them, too. Paul says this. Listen, three to five. But even Titus, who was with me, <laughs> this is going to be confusing for some of you, was not forced to be circumcised, Right? Compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek, <clears throat> meaning he was a non-Jew. The matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks ooh, to spy. He snuck in. To spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. Man, but we did not give up. And submit to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. <laughs> it's important to know circumcised here. You're like, man, this seems like it's important to the Jews. The Jewish people, that was a sign. They, there was no option here to be a devout Jew. And what are you trying to say? Circumcision here stands for any sort of tradition, religious thing, right? The law has been fulfilled. It doesn't have to happen anymore. 
The circumcision we are told in Scripture is now of the heart, right? It is a change inside of us. So, Todd, are you saying, well, are we talking about circumcision here? No, this is bigger than that. And the application to us is this. The gospel is freedom. You throw that up. We got it? <laughs> the gospel, you got to stay with me. I told you, it's hard. They don't know where I'm at. Where am I going to be? I'm outside the line. Anyway, the gospel is freedom. This is so important. Is freedom from man-made laws, traditions, and I would add religion. Anything that adds weight to a person isn't the gospel. Well, Todd, what do you mean? I thought that I have to carry my cross. That's part of the gospel. I'm saying anything that adds weight to the, to the cross that we already bear, right? That adds weight, that adds some sort of precondition, that adds some sort of prerequisite, that adds something that has to happen after, that adds something, Jesus plus anything, isn't the gospel. Do you see now why I talk about tongues a lot? Those of you, I have good friends, people in this church that didn't come today. Maybe I'm just kidding. Some of them, he knows who he is. Um, <clears throat> there are people who used to cry every night and pray for their salvation over and over again because they didn't speak in tongues. Because they were told, like, something's wrong with them. Why aren't they supercharged? That's what I was told by a pastor, right? You're supercharged engine. So if they're not supercharged, then maybe I'm not saved at all. Fear. That's what it is, fear. What does the Bible say? Perfect love casts out all fear. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. There's no fear in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. And this is so prevalent. You know, I'm not against, if you want to do, I don't know, and Paul talks about this, okay, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. I'm not saying you, this is something we Christians do as well, man. It's like you try to force a personal conviction on everyone. That's not biblical. It's not. Your conscience, right, within the boundary lines guides us. What do I mean? Well, you know, it could talk about, oh, man, it could be a million things. <clears throat> Drinking's a big one. Some people feel convicted, and if you feel convicted you shouldn't drink, you shouldn't drink a drop because that's what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And some people can do that. Why? God knows us better than we do. Some of you all are going, well, I hate my problem. No, you're on the other end, right? Somewhere between bottles two and three of wine or beer, there's a funny little line where I'm like, am I having a good time or am I drunk? I'm just being honest with you. That's why I got it. You know, that's part of why I don't drink. Or very often, anyway, because I don't know the line. It's somewhere between giggle and <laughs> craziness. Anyway, for me, man-made, the gospel's freedom from man-made laws and traditions. Okay, stay with me. Everybody understand where I'm at? You with me? You falling asleep? Yes, don't say That would be hurtful, probably. Anyway, stay in the same chapter. Drop down <clears throat> to verse 11, chapter 2. But when Cephas, who's Cephas? We don't know. Great. That's Peter. Cephas is just that, is the, is the Greek word for rock. It's Peter, right? So your, your version may say Peter. <clears throat> but when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Woo! Peter, the rock? He stood condemned. Why? For he regularly ate with the Gentiles and non-Jews, 
before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy. Jews, in this case, mean Jewish Christians, Christians who had come from the Jewish background, right? They joined in his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are like a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? Woo. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by all of the things that we do. Nope. Justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. That's pretty wordy, right? Is that pretty wordy? I bet you if I was... You know, I don't know who's, who's cool right now. Some musician, you guys would be going, right? That's embarrassing. But you get what I mean. Stay with me. Hope you're really thinking. I hope that's what's happening today. So what's happening here? Paul says, I had to go to Peter because Peter was living in freedom. He didn't have to do these things anymore, these old Jewish laws. He was free, right? These, these old Jewish religious traditions, Peter was like that. Well, then somebody, some of the Jews who used to, or Christians who used to be Jews came up to him and said, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that. Remember, this is what we were taught. So what did he do? Peter, and if you know Peter from the Gospels, right, this sounds like him. He gave in to the crowd and said, okay. And he started getting afraid that they, the religious people, were going to look down on him. So he started acting one way in front of them and another way in front of everyone else. And he was confusing both sides. He was, t- he was making something important that was important. He was being hypocritical in his teaching. P.S. Hypocrisy is not saying something's a sin and then failing in that. Do you get what I mean? Hypocrisy would be saying, this is a sin and it's okay for me to do it. See the difference? Sometimes people run around in Christianity and say, that person's a hypocrite because they preached on not getting angry and they got angry. That is stupid. I'm just going to say it. That is a stupid thing to say. No pastor is above the same things you are, right? It's just not reality. And if he tells you you are, we'll get to that. There's a problem. So what he said is, right, the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy. Barnabas was led astray. Man. So what ends up happening in these religious moments, sometimes they were these religious qualifications being put on the Christians. Again, these chains. And, he, and what happened? They began to think that their salvation... And people that were watching from the outside, it goes, oh, all those Christians, you guys are saved because you come to church. You're saved because you don't cuss. You're saved because you don't drink. You're saved because you don't watch pornography. That's why you're saved, right? That's what they'll think. And then all of a sudden, someone on the outside is looking at you saying, well, I, I'm an alcoholic. I'm, there's, I can't beat this. I'm out of luck. Boom. You just let someone astray. That doesn't mean that doing those things is bad. They're not doing those things. But we got to remember, that's not what saves us. Make sense? You're so quick. Many times in Christianity, we're quick, to, we're quick to say, I'll just say it. I mean, I get people make bad on both sides. Homosexuals, we're going to go out to the gay pride parade, and we're going to tell everyone we hate gays, and they're going to hell, but we don't tell them how not to go to hell. What's the implication? The implication is if I stop being gay, I'm going to heaven. Not 
true. I can make someone straight and they're still going to hell. That doesn't mean homosexuality is not a sin, but what it does mean is that cleaning up your sin alone doesn't save you, right? We know that because why? Perfection is the standard. So what do we take from all this? He said here, listen, the works of the law, you can't be saved by your own actions. It can't happen, and the weight of carrying that is too much, right? Remember what I said earlier? Some people have, have fallen into this. Some Christians, some of you maybe have fallen into this. You're still saved, but you are dragging by, and you have a weight that you're carrying, and you're miserable, and your faith is heavy, all because you have all of a sudden begun to carry the weight of your own salvation. When he already said what? It is finished. So what do we say from that? Here we go. Where's our boundary line? Any teaching that elevates the importance of our effort and action at, above, or even at the same level as Jesus' sacrificial atonement is false. The gospel is grace through faith alone. That's an important sentence I put there. Any teaching that elevates makes the importance of my effort being as important as Jesus to my salvation, my holiness, any of those things, right? As important is a false teaching. Does that mean a person that's slipping into that sometimes is a false teacher? No, because you might go to them and go, hey, man, what are you saying here, right? I've said things that up here that, that are off a little bit at times. It just happens. That's why you need to know Scripture. That's why we give you Scripture. But that's very important. Do you guys understand that? If you don't say this, because I need you to understand this. There are teachings, and this is, I'm going I'm to pick on it again, all right? I'm already here, and people think I hate tongues, okay? I don't, so I'm going to talk about it. I don't want to shame people, you know? What I am going to say is when that action, that one gift is elevated somehow as, as being even with Jesus' atonement, hey, I'm supercharged not because of Jesus, not because the Holy Spirit that's already been sealed in me by his atoning sacrifice, but because of my ability to speak in this foreign language, do you see what I'm seeing? That's a false teaching because someone on the outside might go, as long as I say this, I'm good. By the way, have you guys ever watched? I almost showed this video. Those of you that, that want to understand the danger of some of this, you know, on the extreme side of the charismatic movement, the extreme side, because I'm considered charismatic to some reformed people and I'm reformed to charismatics. If you don't know what that means, that's fine. It don't matter. But you ever watched a Kundalini Hindu Service? You haven't, probably. Go compare it and tell me if it doesn't look exactly the same. So if the sign is shaking and falling and talking and smiling and laughing and giggling, if that's the sign of salvation, then I guess they're safe too. That's why it becomes important. Do those things, right, do the gifts get elevated above Jesus? scary. All right? It's faith alone. We'll get to that. If you're going, Todd, I don't understand. What is this gospel? It's my first. I'm going to tell you at the end, right? All right, we're going to move on. Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through 16. We talked about this in uh, the section about sin. If you guys remember that, when we talked about the bad guys, go listen to it. Tribes, the bad guys. How do we handle sin within the church? Well, how do we handle um, false teachers, right? Even or, or maybe pastors that fall in sin, not false teachers, right? And we brought this section up. Listen to this and see if you stay with me, all right? 
holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will both be able both to encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. They're talking about um, true elders. By the way, I just wanted to throw that in there. The reason I didn't put the whole other list, everybody always talks about all the other stuff, right? They need to be, you know, a husband of one wife and all these other things. They need to be perfect. But they, they skip that. Go back to that again. An elder should be able what? He should hold to the faithful message as taught, a leader in the church. Why? So that he'll be able, to, be able to both encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. Stand against it. Do you think standing against it means putting a passive-aggressive Facebook status out? You know you've seen them. I have just this weekend. Somebody, right? Hey, if you're too chicken to put a name on it, right, and you're talking about a specific person, you're a chicken. That's all. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to say. Anyway, here we go. Listen. So, so we're talking about sound teaching. I think that's important. He said the faithful message sound teaching, and then he comes in and com- compares it. Verse 10, for there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. I'll say it this way, from the um, religious acts party, okay? From the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their, their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. If you're confused about that, he was talking to um, those in that city, right? And he was saying these unbelievers, these people from here that are doing this, they, they have a saying that applies to them. It's not scriptural, but he's saying they're, they are. They're liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Who? These rebellious people. This testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. That's a powerful sentence. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Well, Todd, I'm confused. It said religious acts, and now it's saying, you know, you will know them by their good work. You'll know them by their works. What's going on here? It's fruit. Fruit. Christians, right, are going to act a certain way. So what if I don't drink, don't smoke, don't lust somehow? Um, I wear a suit and a tie. I'm a teacher, by the way, right? I'm a pastor. I smile all the time. I'm happy all the time. My kids are good, right? But I don't love people. I must be a good teacher. Some of you are going, yeah, that sounds true. No, it isn't. Right? We're going to talk about a sex, and what does it say? He who doesn't love his brother, he who says he's a follower of Christ and doesn't love his brother or sister is a liar, and the truth is not in him. How come we will, anytime you elevate certain qualifications of religious leaders, which is their outward appearance of holiness at the expense of their love, right, their empathy, their desire to help people, do you see that? Do you see how that's prevalent here? Do you not? Do you not see and look around and see churches where the pastor's holy, but he has no love? I do. How do you know that? How much time do they spend making passive-aggressive statuses, attacking people? We'll get to that in a second. There's a reason they do that. There's a reason they do that. If everyone else is bad and you want to know the truth, come to me. I am the way and the truth and the life. 
Just because they don't say it doesn't mean they're not living it. So what do we take from this? We're going to go into it. I'm going to stay with me. Are you with me? I can't t- thank you, one person, right? I can't tell, and I need you to tell me. All right? I'm a human, right? <clears throat> I understand why these southern preachers might have some relatives. They wanted the amen. They want this affirmation, right? I don't, I don't want to do that because then you're just going to keep saying it. If you're just thinking, say not. You can just nod. If you're uninterested, just do this. I'm going to cry, but just do this. Are you listening and thinking? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, so here it is. Religious leaders who want to chain and enslave households in fear and religion for their own gain are false. Be prayerful and careful. That's all I'm saying. Be prayerful and careful. What does it mean to enslave households in fear and religion for their own gains? If they are the only ones that know the truth, only once, right? And if they can tell you the right things to do and the wrong things to do, and they can give you the rituals, right? Walk around your house seven times while praying, and the walls of unbelief will fall. I know, right? Because it happened at Jericho. That's not what that means. You see what I'm saying? There's books out there that teach religious rituals that we've accepted in popular Christianity that get taught as sermons. And I'm not saying the person teaching it is false, but like, it's concerning. You should talk to him, right? Because guess what? You'd sure talk to him if you watched him walk out of the strip club. How come you won't talk to him about that? How come you won't talk to the pastor who's rude to people, who's mean but boy, if you see him come out of the bar, you're definitely going to talk. That's religion. It's something that cares about the outward appearance more than the inward. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. See, people always say that. I'm saying one is just as important, if not more, than the other. Religious leaders who want to chain and enslave households in fear and religion for the gain are false. How do we know? Perfect love casts out all fear. For the one who fears has not been perfected in love. Why would a religious leader want to make you always fear whether you are saved? What would be his purpose? He control. And if he controls you, then he enslaves you. And if he enslaves you, he ensures you never, right? You never question. He's the ultimate authority. And you got, hey, your money goes where your heart goes. Moving on. I got what time I got. I got to move here. All right. 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 21. When I got it, say I got it. When you got it. And I already got it. Thank you, whoever said that. I'm going to read. If you're watching on the screen, say screen. <laughs> See? It makes you paying attention. It's a trick. Anyway, this is Paul again. I repeat, let no one consider me a fool. And I'll stay with you in a second. I'll explain this in a minute. But if you do, at least accept me as a fool so that I can also boast a little. <clears throat> what I'm saying in this matter of boasting, I don't speak as the Lord would, but as it were, foolishly. Since many boast according to the flesh, I'll also boast. For you, being so wise, gladly put up with fools. In fact, you put up with someone, you put up with it if someone enslaves you or takes advantage of you. Ex- if someone enslaves you, if someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone is arrogant towards you, if someone slaps you in the face. I say this to our shame. We've been too weak for that. But 
in whatever anyone dares to boast, I'm talking foolishly, I also dare. This is 100% pure Paul sarcasm, this in section. Because what he's saying is, they are implying, and it's important for you to understand, in the church in Corinth, there were teachers coming in who was saying Paul was fool and weak and foolish, and look at me, look how well-spoken I am, look what I do and say, look how good I am, I am more charismatic than Paul, he's a fool, I'm not. And so what Paul says is, he's sitting like, hey, I guess if I'm a fool, I'll just talk a little foolishly if you're okay with that. You get it? I'll talk, it's sarcasm, see? It means it's holy, I'm just kidding. Since many have boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. This is him being. So the important thing to take here is, listen to what he says. You put up with it if someone enslaves you, exploits you, takes advantage of you, is arrogant to you, slaps you in the face. And then he says, I say this to our shame. We've been too weak for that. He's being backwards. He's saying, I guess I'm just too weak to hurt you, take advantage of you, exploit you, enslave you. I guess I'm weak then. You get it? Do you get it? It's important. I'm letting you off today with the sleepy stuff. That was Bailey. Sorry, not to you guys. Diane, Dave, love you guys. <laughs> I love you too, Bailey. <laughs> Remnant House guys, man, they get it bad. Anyway, we've been too weak for that. So what do we, there's something important to take from that. Paul says something really important. He compares himself, who may not always look perfect, to these perfect-looking people who are taking advantage, slaving, hurting, being arrogant. Right? He even says that. Arrogant towards you. Arrogance would be implying that I am better than you. Right? Arrogant towards you. If someone slaps you in the face, so what do we take from that? Arrogant leaders who take advantage of, hurt, and enslave people to religious acts are false and need to be confronted. Arrogant leaders who take advantage, hurt, and enslave people through religious acts and fear to be confronted. Does that mean you got to go up and scream at them? No. You ask questions, is fine. Do you get that? So I'm going to say it again. If you would go up and you would challenge me when I walk out of the strip club and say, yo, man, I saw you. Some of you wouldn't. You just go around, you know, gossiping. You wouldn't come up to me and ask me. All right, you come and ask me about that. But you wouldn't if I started taking advantage of, hurting people, enslaving people, making everyone. If, I, if you're not willing to do that, by the way, you're not. Some of you all love pastors that do this. And I feel like Paul sometimes. I got a lot of mistakes, but it's like, I guess I stink because I'm not scaring you every week. But hey, they talk real holy, right? And they make their passive-aggressive statuses. Hashtag. I got no respect for a chicken, right, who isn't talking about a teaching, but is talking about a person. And you ought to say something, too, because that's slander and doesn't go to the person and talk to him. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm watching you. You've been watching me for weeks. Anyway, that's real. <clears throat> um, and I bet you he'll have a passive-aggressive status about it here in the next week. It's not hard to find me. Um, arrogant leaders who take advantage of hurt and enslave people to religious acts are false. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it 50 times. Anyway, uh, are to be confronted. Make sense? And the only reason I say that is like we should take that as serious as we take those other things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't confront those things when a pastor sins. We talked about that week two, right? And the bad guys, of course you do. But this is a sin too, and we need to be aware of that. Because it, why? It represents Christ. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Let's jump down to uh, Romans chapter 6. You can just pull the whole thing up, but I'm only going to be reading a few verses. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. 
and 11 through 14. So he's talking about grace. I love the book of Romans. So he's, he, before this, in chapter 5, he talks about grace, how it abounds all the more, all those kinds of things, right? That we can't out God's grace, right? Well, here's what he says. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Drop down to 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons. from the dead. Offer yourselves to God, right? I'm sorry, weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. This is very important. You can go ahead and throw it up, what we can take from this. Listen, this is important because I don't want to go too far the other way. Any teaching that says God does not care about our sin or our holiness or does not include a repentance on our part, a turning away from our sin and our sinful desires is false. And there's extremes here, and, I, and we have to talk about both. We have an obligation to respond, repent, and obey. That's part of the gospel. And in the modern world, a lot of times, I won't lie, guys, in, the, in this postmodern church, this ex-evangelical, if you haven't heard these things, that's okay. A lot of you younger people have. That's what this is teaching. They're saying, because it's telling me I need to change, right? It's not affirming me. And whatever I believe, then it's, it's, it's wrong and it's to be rejected. That's not true. We have to change for the gospel. We don't change the gospel for us. <clears throat> so what are our boundary lines? I'm going to actually make all this very simple for you. I brought this up if you want to take notes, but there's three points. Wait, wait, let me stop before I get to that. It's important for me to talk about um, a couple of things I want you to keep about with false teachers. Everybody wants to talk about the, the pastors that sin outwardly and all those things, and they are serious. Okay, I'm not saying they're not, but this is important. There are a lot of false teachers or people out there that spend the majority of their time acting as though they're the only ones with the true revelation or understanding of Scripture. They're the only ones. And they're just trying, the people that do that, those that spend the majority of their time, the majority of their time doing it, if that, that seems to be all they ever talk about is that, you know, hey, they're, they're, they sort of make that the case the reason they do that often is to keep their authority as chief priests. It's just creating a priesthood again. They want to be chief priests. And I'm not even saying it's always intentional, right? But that's something you need to keep in mind because that's something we accept a lot. And I don't want you to ever think that I'm the final authority on God's word. I'm not. I'm fallible and I make mistakes even at this pulpit. And that's why it's important to know the word of God so that you can test it, right? Right? These same people will often reference a special revelation from God as the basis for their authority. They will do this so that no one can argue with it. Anytime someone comes up to me and says they're speaking for God, I believe that you know prophecy and encouragement, people have gifts like that, but it will never contradict Scripture. Make sense? And it will never personally benefit the person. You know what I'm saying? God told me that. Your wallet's a little too heavy today, and you should give it to me. 
You know what I mean? He wouldn't do that. I'm just, these are things to keep in mind as you, as you think. These people, these false religions, will often use their emotional high as the proof of the goodness and truth of their message. You're feeling good, so this is obviously a move of the Holy Spirit. Not true. I'm not kidding when I talked about that Hindu branch that looks very, very similar to some of the services that we can see on TV and maybe you've even been a part of. That being said, here's your, I just want to leave that with you as something to think about. That's kind of an aside here. Here's your boundary lines, three of them. I'm try to finish this up for you. Anything that adds to the gospel of Jesus Christ, anything that adds to it, which means Jesus plus anything equals salvation. Jesus plus anything, right? Anything that's added to Jesus is a boundary line. So any teaching that adds to the gospel of Jesus Christ, period. It's easy when we're talking about, you know, let's just be honest here. Mormonism, we're talking about Jehovah's Witness, everybody will say that, right? They question, but well, that, we know they're outside the boundary lines, but there's a lot of other people and places, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that are doing this. And Paul, and I gave you the scripture on that, right? That we're adding weight. Number two, are we, we good? Okay. Anything that subtracts from the gospel message. So anything that adds to it, anything that subtracts from it. Most of the time, it's going to be the subtraction of sin, the subtraction of repentance, or the subtraction of our need to be and pursue holiness. Get it? That's very popular nowadays. Very, very popular. If you don't hear a call to repentance, a call, you know, a, um, <clears throat> a pointing out of your sin, your sinful nature, of our sinful nature, and, our, and we aren't called to be like Jesus, to be holy, that's something to be concerned about. Anything, if you're doing that, you're outside the lines. And number three, and this is kind of, anything that puts religious or spiritual experiences at the same level and authority as Scripture, that's very important. Anything that puts religious slash spiritual experiences at the same level and authority as Scripture is something that's painting outside the boundary lines. You get what I mean? <clears throat> She's going to come play some music because I went a little long and upset some of you, or not even with the stuff I thought. But uh, <clears throat> I want you to think about a couple things. I think it's important to leave you with this. One, <clears throat> is your faith in the boundary lines? Honestly, are you in the boundary lines? Do you speak up to family members, to friends, to leaders who, who are painting a gospel outside the boundary lines? Are you willing? I'm not saying go yell at them, but do you even ask them a question? Would you ask them a question if they, you, you caught this Christian doing drugs in front of you? Would you say something? Then why wouldn't you say something to them if they're painting outside the boundary lines, if they're living outside of it? It doesn't mean they're not saved. We'll find out by their response to it, right? When challenged with Scripture, do they, do they repent? Yeah, pastors need to repent. We repent. I need to repent. I repent. I just repented last night. I repent all the time. I have to. Where are you at? And do you believe the true gospel? What's the true gospel? Some of y'all don't believe you're here because your girlfriend or boyfriend wants you here. He or she can't save you. Your husband, your wife can't save you. Your mom and dad can't save you. The gospel is only good news when you know the bad news. The bad news is we are all doomed right now. This world has rejected God. He created this world perfect. I'm, it's not even, it's ridiculous to even argue it. There is a creator. God created everything perfect. And he said, here's 
how to live the best life, and I mean that, right? How to live, it's going to be hard. Here is what life is, to glorify me and follow me. You can do what you want, enjoy life, enjoy this creation, but I'm God, you're not. I will tell you what right and wrong is. And we rejected that, and you rejected. We turned away from it. We set our desires above the king's. And because of that, we were separated from a holy God like a branch snapped off a tree. It's a fact. And so sin entered the world. Sin's a condition, an internal condition that shows itself in outward actions. Right? We act hateful because there's hate in our heart. Right? We act cruel because there's cruelty in our heart. We act out in lust because there's lust in our heart. We lie because there's lie in our heart. There are things that, so even if we stop outwardly lying, it's still in there. You know it and I know it. And shame, we feel shamed all the time because we know we're messed up. And so we run around and we search for things to make us feel better and to fix us and nothing fixes us. And we'll read books and we'll follow spiritual leaders who for a time will make us feel like we're on the right path. And then what happens? It fades. There is nothing you can do to change this. There's nothing you do that you can do to fix yourself. And the Bible says, because we're separated from God, because we have sinned, right? The wages of sin is death. That's why, that's why we have disease and it's, it's all this war and murder and all these things. And here's, here's the reality. Not only will we face death in this life, but we will face judgment after it. Hell is real. Hell is a real place. And that's where we're all headed. Every single person you've ever known, the best human you've ever met in your life is not good enough to earn their way into heaven, to to earn their way into being saved. They're not. That's pretty bad news. The Bible says, too, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If, If the standard is God's perfection, then we're all in trouble. And that's where we could be left. And that's where you're standing right now today. The only thing between you and judgment and hell, some of you in this room today, the only thing is your breath that you're taking. Because the moment it stops, judgment will happen, right? You will deal with the consequences of your sin until the final judgment, right? You can, well, I don't believe in that. That's fine. Jump out of a plane and say you don't believe in gravity. I bet you'll find out what's going to happen. Your belief doesn't equate truth. And all the excuses you're coming up with in your head, well, there's 2,779 religions in the world. All that stuff is an excuse to avoid the reality. But it doesn't change the reality. That's where we're left. And we could have been left there with hopeless, in death, waiting, struggling through a life of shame and fear and condemnation until we die and then have eternal misery. Except God, but God. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God invaded this earth. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He taught us how to live. He taught us the way it's supposed to be. He taught us how we should act if we want to live the best life we can on this broken earth. And on top of that, he did something incredible. He told us about the kingdom of God. He told us the truth. He told us that we couldn't earn it and we don't have to be weighed down by that. He told us that there is a way to have life again. To be with God again, there is a way. And then he did something incredible. He paid the price. He paid the wages of our sin on the cross. That's what he did. He died for you and me. Why did he do that? So that you don't ever have to, not really, 
Guys, life is this long in the span of eternity. Yeah, we're all going to leave this life and, and you have two options. You're going to go somewhere worse or somewhere better. And he made it so we can go somewhere better. He died on the cross. Three days after he died, he was rose from the dead. Look it up. Over 500 witnesses attest to the risen Christ. Less people than that saw George Washington cross the Delaware, but you believe that to be true. He rose from the dead, proved he was God, conquered death. And here's the message he offers you today. Whether you've been in church your whole life, but you don't really believe, haven't believed the gospel, or today's your first day, here is the beauty, the good news of the gospel. He says, if you will come to me, you will turn away from your sin. You will stop. You will walk away. Say, I don't want this anymore. Not be perfect, but you will say, I will turn a different way, God. And you will lay your sin at the cross. You will bring it to him. He will take your sin upon him, and he will give you the benefits of his perfect life. You'll be saved. The Bible says, if you confess with your lip and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, and in order to do that, you would have to repent. You would have to be willing to say, he's right and I'm wrong. If you do that today... You can be saved, period. You mean right now in my addiction? Yes. You mean right now in my mistakes? Yes. You mean right now in my brokenness? Yes. Right now today, you can be saved. You're going to have an opportunity to respond. And I was you, and I was old enough to remember, and you're going to, something's in your heart. There's something going, maybe there's some truth to this. And there's another voice that says, you're going to look stupid. Here's all the reasons not to. That voice is a liar. It doesn't want you to have life. Stop worrying about all the stuff after and think about this moment. Are you willing to turn away from death, to turn away from the life you've been living your way, to go God's way, to be saved, forgiven? And in that moment, you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means he will empower you to live the kind of life that he's called you to live. And guess what? You'll always be within the body. Nobody can tell you you're not. Nobody can say that you're too far gone. Nobody can say your mistakes condemn you. It's over. It's finished. Listen, guys, you're going to get an opportunity. I know we've ran a little long today. You have an opportunity to respond. Whether you've been kind of painting outside the boundary lines and you need to come back in, whether you've never known the true gospel, and whether you're not saved, there are going to be people up here willing to pray. This altar is for you to pray, to talk to God. Maybe you're feeling convicted to go and speak to some people in your life, people who are who are preaching a false gospel either in, their, either in their actions or their words, right? In love, truth in love. Whatever you do, respond, right? Don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.